I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. The Harvey Weinstein scandal. Can sexual harassment be stopped? Actresses are more vulnerable. He preyed on the young ones. He preyed on Kate Beckinsale when she was 17 years old, allegedly. The most moving story I read was by Sarah Polly. She stopped acting for quite a while because she couldn't do it anymore. It was just a terrible feeling to be so powerless and to feel that when you were harassed, that no one's ever going to listen and no one's going to hear you and no one's going to care, that it was beyond imagining that that was possible. Many of these women who were unknowns that Harvey uh, assailed, uh, allegedly, they basically gave up on the business. They, they said, I don't want to be in this business. I don't want to do this. And so we don't know how many potential Alicia Vikanders, uh, you know, we lost to, uh, to Harvey's predations. How do we fix it? How do we fix it? Okay, so are we ready? Uh, no, we're not. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, all right, go. So, Richard, you know from my Twitter feed, I've been kind of obsessed with the whole Harvey Weinstein sexual harassment scandal. Well, was that because you used to cover the movie business? Yeah, I mean, I worked at a bunch of entertainment magazines and, and covered the Weinsteins for, you know, 15 years. So hasn't this sort of stuff, the casting couch and sexual harassment, gone on for decades in Hollywood? Oh, absolutely. But this is different. First of all, Weinstein is particularly egregious, uh, I, I, we think. Um, hopefully there aren't too many cases out there as bad as this. But also, it seems like the power balance has finally shifted. And then the victims are being believed, and he's getting literally driven out of the business. But it took so long. There's got to be a better way to stop people like Harvey Weinstein from harassing and abusing vulnerable women. Absolutely. So that's what we want to talk about today. And to help us, we're bringing in Ann Thompson. Ann is editor-at-large for the film news site IndieWire. She's also worked for The Hollywood Reporter, Variety, and, okay, full disclosure, Anne and I worked together at Entertainment Weekly and Premiere Magazine, the movie magazine. She also wrote the book The $11 Billion Year, From Sundance to the Oscars. Anne Thompson joins us via Skype from Los Angeles. Welcome to the show. Happy to be here. So, Anne, these rumors about Harvey Weinstein have been going on basically forever. What's different now? Well, people spoke up. I actually think social media and the hue and cry around Bill Cosby and the uh, firing of Roger Ailes, that all of these things have sort of accumulated 
in the culture to such a degree. Also, people like Jessica Chastain and Amber Tamblin on Twitter, that there was a, a community of women supporting each other, Rose McGowan, and the newspapers, the New York Times and then uh, the New Yorker, made it their business to put top flight investigative reporters on and nail this thing. And they did because women spoke up and went forward. But it was as if there was a more receptive climate for it than there had been a sense that the women weren't all alone and vulnerable by themselves. So how big a deal was the Weinstein Company? Well, they were a little indie that could called Miramax that sold to Disney under Disney. They thrived and flourished. There were best pictures like Chicago, big movies like Gangs of New York and The Aviator. They really did well. And then they left Disney. They wanted more control and they started Weinstein Co. And they were always a little bit on the edge of not having quite enough money. (laughs) But they certainly had. I mean, they won like something like 75 Oscars. So they were storied and mythical and hugely successful. When you um, read those stories and saw the scale of the allegations and the level of the abusiveness, you've covered this industry for a long time, and I don't imagine too much surprises you, but were you surprised? I was surprised by the scale of it. I was really surprised by the institutional, systemic uh, routine of it. And when you hear the audio that the New Yorker put up that went viral... um, The model Gutierrez, yeah. When she's wearing a wire and you hear him trying to get her to come with him, you realize immediately that he did this all the time. And the the repetitive nature of these stories, the white bathrobe, the massage, the shower, it's just horrifying the degree to which he did it for so long. And with so many people, there's like 40 people now that have spoken up. I was more aware of the toxic environment. I think everyone in Hollywood knew he was a bad guy to, to, to do business with. Um, part of why you have this incredibly swift fall, this dramatic fall from power, being fired, being thrown out of the academy. Uh, they're instituting proceedings to take him out of the Producers Guild. They want to strip him of, of his awards in France, of his awards in England. There's an NYPD thing going on, and there's one in England as well. A criminal uh, investigation. Police. Yeah, they're looking into it. But the reason everybody's piling on just on the Hollywood side is because they really loathed and despised him. He was someone who was universally disliked. Yet he was very powerful, wasn't he? What made him so powerful? Well, people would ask, why was Georgina Chapman married to Harvey Weinstein? He helped her with her career. And he, you know, he was scratching so many people's backs. He was giving the Democratic Party huge donations and fundraisers. He was giving money. He was making careers. He was making movies happen. He was pushing people to Oscars. And everyone wanted to be part of that gravy train. That's why. So it wasn't just the money. It was also status. Absolutely. I mean, the thing about actresses that's so disturbing and and unfortunate is that they're particularly vulnerable. And Harvey is a very bad and egregious example, but he is not an anomaly. The, The casting couch, 
the idea that you would um, exchange a, a sexual favor for a job, that goes on all the time and has since the beginning now, of Hollywood. So obviously sexual harassment is a problem in all fields, but you're saying that it is worse in Hollywood. One columnist wrote, in Hollywood, you have a term for it, the casting couch. Nobody ever says the insurance adjuster couch. Why no. Why is it so prevalent in Hollywood? Actresses are more vulnerable. They are young. He preyed on the young ones. He preyed on Kate Beckinsale when she was 17 years old, allegedly. So it's, it's just a, a, an easy mark because often they're freelance. They're looking for jobs. There's no institution protecting them. Um, there's been a lot of sharing going on. Um, there was an Elle magazine event for women, and Jennifer Lawrence shared a story about uh, having to pose naked in, in a lineup in order to get a job and feeling so horrified by that uh, and shamed. And, and so women are sharing these stories. All of us are because most women have, have been hit on by someone that they didn't want uh, hitting on them at some point in, in either a, a, a reasonable uh, way or, or in a way that made them feel horrible. And one of the things we've learned is that the agencies knew about this. They warned their actresses once they were established and had agents they would be warned not to be alone with Harvey Weinstein. So that begs the question, are there other monsters out there? Are there other Harvey Weinsteins? Yes. And one of the things that's going on now um, is that there are a lot of men in Hollywood quaking in their boots because there's a little bit of of a, a hunt in the air, a yeah. sense well, you have that, that you a have lot that. of these things are going to come out. Reese Witherspoon came out saying that an early director when she was 16 years old harassed her and she was told by her people to stay silent. You have that Me Too hashtag, which is spread very Alyssa, strongly. Alyssa, Alyssa Milano and, and you know, some 500,000 people responded, including me. I mean, it's it's that's what I mean about social media. I think that that is helping women to feel like they have a window now to speak out. So in many ways, you say there's nobody protecting the actresses, but there's also people protecting the abusers. And in the Weinstein company, particularly, he had a lot of enablers. He also had a really unusual contract. I was shocked when I learned, uh, TMZ reported this, that the the contract actually had clauses in it built into it that he would pay the company X amount on the first instance of some kind of complaint, X amount on the second, a graduating number going up to a million dollars. And this was in 2015. This isn't the 60s and 70s that he referred to in his statement. And that's just shocking that they just knew already. And his brother coming out against him, calling him depraved, calling him unrepentant. Just, just shocking. Just to be clear for listeners who don't follow the movie industry that closely, um, first Miramax and then the Weinstein Company was run by Harvey and his brother Bob, always in the shadows, tending to make less glamorous but more profitable movies. Uh, now Bob has turned against him with incredible passion. It sounds like he was just in that unenviable role of the person who had to clean up the mess, and uh, he's not happy about it. But, of course, whatever wealth they had accrued is likely to disappear in a torrent of suits going forward 
that they will have to pay off in some way. So it's going to be tough for them to stay solvent. Our podcast is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're talking with Ann Thompson of the film news site IndieWire. And coming up next, we're going to look at some possible solutions. How do we fix it? So, Anne, are we at a turning point? I'd like to think so. I I mean, you know, Kathleen Kennedy at the Producers Guild is hoping that they're going to start some kind of committee, you know, to try to institutionalize what kind of behavior is acceptable on a movie set. Um, I mean, on on the corporate side, if you have a a studio like 20th Century Fox or or Universal or, or Warner Brothers, at the corporate level, there's institutional sexual harassment policies that have to be followed. And uh, I think most modern companies have, you know, human resources departments and, and, and ways that women can, can complain. Um, I don't know about the, the fact that, that a company the size of Weinstein Company was able to continue with this kind of behavior. Remember, the other thing is that Harvey was diminished. He wasn't at the height of his powers. This is a case of a weakened predator that was finally beset upon by any number of people at once. Um, I would like to think that a lot of men are looking at their own behavior and recognizing that it's no longer acceptable. I've got to believe that having more women in positions of power, not just in the movie industry, but in other forms of business would help. A lot of people are making that point. It's when you have these entirely white male institutions. Um, but again, <laughs> right now, the leader of the free world is Donald Trump. And I'm afraid he doesn't set a very good example either. Jim, you've studied a ton of disasters. Um And clearly, this is a disaster for the Weinstein Company that now potentially lies in ruin. So in terms of solutions, what do you think companies can do to prevent this kind of disaster? Right, because big ethical failings in companies, they don't come out of nowhere. They come out of a certain culture. And here's the good news. You can change the culture. You change the incentives, positive incentives to help people behave better and negative incentives, as you were saying, Anne. You know, the people who are involved in financing these companies, the members of the board, the investors, they need to put a price on this behavior. You know, Harvey's contract basically let him get away with it as long as he paid a fine to the company. But they should have recognized, oh, my God, this could blow up our entire investment. And in fact, it will. Absolutely. Say more. (laughs) (laughs) So so how um, how do we get institutions to... Maybe formalize this a little bit more. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who runs a law firm in New York City that handles a lot of employment law cases. And she says that the investment industry, which used to be real snake pits, they've actually gotten a lot better. They won't just pay off a settlement if some hotshot banker harasses somebody. People get fired a lot quicker now than they did 10 or 20 years ago. Can we do that in Hollywood? I'd like to think so. I think that what's going on is is that more people like Amazon Studios Roy Price are also being called to account. And what what, um, what is that case? That's a case where uh, a grown woman who was a producer on The Man in the High Castle, they were going to a party and he was accosting her in a car 
saying things like, forgive me, you would love my dick. Um, and he just was relentlessly hitting on her and not letting it go until after the Weinstein uh, revelations, she stepped forward and spoke up and said, and when she said the reason she hadn't done it before was because she wanted to protect her show. And that's the thing. People don't want to put other people in jeopardy because of, of something that happened to them. People are emboldened now to speak up. So how do we make it easier for victims to come forward in the future? Is it, is it more than just the zeitgeist changing, the atmosphere changing? There has to be a sense that there won't be punishment, that there won't be an unfortunate uh, result if you speak up. And at the moment, as I said, the window's open. And I'm curious to see if, if real systemic change occurs. I'd like to think so. I think you're right about women in power. I think Kathleen Kennedy is an example. She runs Lucasfilm. Stacey Snyder. Snyder over at uh, Fox. There's Donna Langley over at Universal. Uh, there's, there's a lot of strong women, and, and they will look to, to protect uh, people in, in, their, in their purview. But um, long-term systemic change, I think we're going to still have plenty of harassment of young actresses going forward, and it will be very difficult to ever make it completely stop. There are a bunch of barriers to things really changing. And one of them is the non-disclosure agreement. Can you talk about that? That's what happened in at least eight cases where he settled with women who complained to him and he gave them money and made them sign a non-disclosure agreement. And the person who broke it recently was Rose McGowan. Uh, by going on Twitter and explicitly naming Harvey Weinstein as the person who raped her. She and, had been, and, and just just to be clear, a non-disclosure agreement means that once you sign that, you're legally bound not to say anything? That is correct. But should we consider changing the way the, the law works in terms of non-disclosure agreements? Wow. I'd like to think that what could happen now is that the women won't do it. They'll simply speak up. But unfortunately, until now, their own people would encourage them to take the deal and not speak. One of the things I've learned is how frightened so many of these women were by his power. And, and also, they just didn't think they'd be believed or that their accusations were credible. The most moving story I read was by Sarah Polly in the New York Times, who happens to be a very accomplished writer and director uh, beyond being a, an actress. And she confessed that she stopped acting for quite a while because she couldn't do it anymore. It was just a terrible feeling to be so powerless and to feel that when you were harassed, that no one's ever going to listen and no one's going to hear you and no one's going to care, that it was beyond imagining that that was possible. There's a lot of stuff out there, but that's one story worth reading. And I think that that young women really, many, many of these women who are unknowns that Harvey uh, assailed, uh, allegedly, they basically gave up on the business. They, they said, I don't want to be in this business. I don't want to do this. And so we don't know how many potential Alicia Vikanders, uh, you know, we lost to uh, to Harvey's uh, predations. So, Anne, you've been covering this business a long time. And you've seen a lot. Um, it does seem like there's something different in the air now. Are you optimistic? I am optimistic. And I have to, I, part of what's going on is that many, many people are processing 
the feelings that they've had for, for, for a long, long time. And they're sharing with each other and they're feeling strength in numbers. And they are talking about what you are talking about, which is how to fix it and what we can do to make it better uh, going forward. And there's all sorts of things like a, uh, some kind of place where people could sign on and, and we could track uh, repeat offenders and find out um, who they are and, and target them. Um, this is, you know, inside the industry, uh, not necessarily publicizing them, but inside the industry, people knowing who to avoid and who not to deal with. Ann Thompson of IndieWire, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Okay. Jim, if it's okay, I'm going to start with a quote from 350 plus years ago. It, it's by the British moral and political philosopher Thomas Hobbes, who wrote, In man's natural state, with no social or religious order to impose limits upon his hungers and passions, notions of right and wrong, justice and injustice, have no place where there is no common power force and fraud are the cardinal virtues in other words there's no sexual contract there's no sense of shame this is a matter of morality to some extent right but he's saying more than that it's not a matter just a matter of individual morality it's a matter of having social institutions that punish offenders that help us recognize what the right kind of culture is. That's why he was an advocate for modern social society and not for total libertine freedom. And I think if you talk about an industry that is libertine as opposed to libertarian, um, Hollywood. it's definitely yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, it is an old story. Norman Mailer wrote a whole novel about it, The Deer Park. But the question and what Anne helped us zero in on is it's not enough to just identify individual cases. We need to build the institutions so that they are, they're better able to defend against this. It's not just a personal thing. And part of this, the hopeful sign is that social media, which we've bashed a bunch of times on our, on our podcast, could be part of the solution here. Yeah, I mean, her point that the women all felt isolated. They, they all knew that he did this all, but they didn't know exactly to whom or how. So they were naturally afraid to come forward with their stories. When the dam broke with the New York Times story, it made it a lot easier for other people to come forward. And I think in the future, I hope that that, that remains so people can responsibly, of course, come forward when they, when they have these experiences and not feel like they're, they're so alone. Now, another question which is raised about this is, is the issue of consent of a consensual relationship between a very powerful person, usually a man at the top of a company, and an employee, very often a woman in, in a much weaker position. Yeah. Is that, you know, perhaps we need a redefinition of, of what is consensual sex. Right, right. Although, let's be clear. These cases were so far from dating. These were, in some cases, actual accusations, allegations of rape. In many cases... Come to my office, come to my, my room for a business meeting with other executives present. So it wasn't like a wink, wink. As bad as that is, it wasn't a wink, wink kind of situation. And one thing I think is so important, sometimes, remember back during the Clinton years, you would hear, oh, well, why, why should we care about the president's personal life? 
I'm sorry, when you're you know, running the government or running a big company, it's not personal. It's part of, of the business. It's part of the institution. And you're putting the entire institution at risk, not to mention abusing the rights of the individual victim when you do this. And something that has really bugged me on Twitter over the last few weeks has been how in this case, you've got conservatives beating up on Hillary Clinton saying, oh, you're an enabler. Why did you do this? And in the past, it was like everybody blaming Fox News for the for the climate of Roger Ailes and uh, Bill O'Reilly. Right. Legitimately, if you ask me. Yes. I but mean, I mean, they did this deserve goes, this goes both ways. This but, isn't right. a liberal problem or a conservative problem. Yes. This is endemic throughout not just Hollywood, but other industries as well throughout our society. And, and it's not a good look when people jump on the crimes of the other team. You know, the conservatives exactly. get all over Harvard Weinstein or the... The, um, the liberals get, get all over Fox News. They both deserve it. They're both bad, you right. know? And, and, and the fact is, there's been a, an alarming lack of consistency on these things. There was a lot of winking at, at Clinton's indiscretions. Ted Kennedy was notorious uh, for, for this kind of behavior. And it was written up in a big article in GQ magazine in 1990. Didn't seem to hurt his reputation a bit. So I think on both sides, I, hopefully our whole culture is going to get more attuned to this and not just use it as a political weapon when it's convenient. Let's try and end this on a hopeful note. You told me that one of your friends is a top labor lawyer in New York City yeah. and, and, and who handles sexual harassment cases. So I actually asked her about this um, um, just the night before last. And she says that there are ways that companies can do a better job on this. When she started working in this field representing victims, the big banks, the investment firms, were kind of like snake pits. And there were certain executives who'd done this thing, this kind of thing over and over again and had settlements. Very similar to the Harvey situation. Um, and she says it's not as bad now. It's still bad. I mean, it still happens. It'll probably always happen. But the, but the perpetrators get punished a lot more quickly by their companies who see that this is a risk to them. And so the other thing is, believing the victims when they come forward. It doesn't mean you don't investigate. It doesn't mean facts don't matter. But you should, we should start off with knowing that, you know, why would somebody come forward, you know, if this wasn't a real serious problem? Let's start, let's have our starting point be, let's take this seriously. Let's, let's not shrug it off. And that's what happened all too often. And then there's the media and what isn't and is covered. Right. So, you know, I, I edited entertainment magazines. I worked on entertainment magazines and did some of these stories. And we did a, I did, worked on one magazine, did a big investigation of sexual harassment at Saturday Night Live. We did another one on some really um, brutal allegations at, at New Line Cinema. I have to say, first in defense of the press, <laughs> these stories are really hard to break. There's reasons why, you know, uh, a, an allegation without a named source or these things that people don't just rush into print with them. You really have to have the goods. It takes a lot of time. It's difficult. But it can be done, and, and I've done it. Uh, and I think the press needs to look at itself and look at, did we miss opportunities? Clearly, NBC missed an opportunity. The New York Times missed an opportunity. And also... When vict- we were talking about how victims don't get believed, there was one particularly ugly thing in this. Is when that uh, Italian model, Amber Gutierrez, came forward uh, and she went right to the police. She wore a wire and then recorded that horrific recording of him basically admitting to this stuff and trying to drag her into his room. Um, when that came out, when she went to the police, 
all of a sudden, all this negative stuff by her started showing up in the gossip pages of New York papers, all this damaging material. So not only did they not believe her, but the press eagerly ran. Or, this, or a certain part of the press. Certain parts did. of the press. Yeah. It, you know, very happily ran this dirt that was being getting leaked to them. So it could be that Harvey Weinstein was leaking dirt. Or, or, what, or what are uh, the uh, odds? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously. So they were great at that. So the press needs to... The press needs to clean up its act, too. And um, doesn't mean you run with, with unproven allegations, but it does mean you work harder on these stories and you don't participate in shaming victims. Yeah, but two cheers for the mainstream media as of today, 2017, where the New York Times uh, invested a great deal of effort on its latest investigative reporting. And then uh, New Yorker um, and, and then other publications as well, including The Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, and listen, not only are they not easy, but they're expensive. The amount that the New Yorker spent on on lawyers alone on that story must have been been huge and good for them for doing it. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer, the music by Lou Stravinsky, and we're a production of Davies Content. We make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Check us out on our soon-to-be-rebuilt website, DaviesContent.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.